0: in our midst today set the captives free send the spirit of encouragement send divine direction send your word to us let it come with grace let someone find you today and let your name only be glorified well bless our God and King in Jesus precious name we are prayed somebody put your hands together and celebrate come on somebody do it very well do it very well Celebrate Jesus this morning. Do it with some excitement. Hallelujah. Our God is here. Hallelujah. All right, go around, shake hands with at least three people before you take your seat. Welcome them to church. Don't tell them they're looking good because I can see everyone is looking good this morning. Praise God. It's so good to uh, be in church Be in God's presence. I trust God that his presence here this morning will rub off on you. In the precious name of Jesus. The Bible says they look unto him and they were lightened and they were not ashamed. Shame will be far from you this week. In the precious name of Jesus. The hand of God will rest upon you from this service. And it will sustain you all through this week. Whatever. May lie ahead this week. God. God will separate you from evil. In the precious name of Jesus. Say, believing amen. Uh, and, and I want you to, you know, on my behalf, smile at your, your neighbor. Just look at someone and just smile. Yeah. Just look at someone and just... You know what, what the smile means? It means that all is well. It's prophetic. When you smile at someone, you're telling them all is well. Praise God. <laughs> uh, you remember the story of the widow in the Bible? I mean, uh, yeah, the, the woman who lost uh, her son, and uh, she was running in the, in the direction of the prophet, seeking divine intervention. And then the, the prophet sent his uh, servant to go and ask the woman, the woman is all well. The woman said, all is well. And she kept running in the direction of the prophet until she got to the prophet and said, you need to do something but all is well. And we need to always take up that attitude when we come to the presence of God. He knows the very thoughts of our heart. You know, so, you may have given somebody an attitude, but when you come to God's presence, no attitude. Praise God. (laughs) The Bible says in His presence there is fullness of joy. and At His right hand, pleasures forevermore. So when we come into His presence, we we get into that pleasure of His presence, the joy of His presence. We we, we know we just try to shed our attitude. Uh, 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 Maybe the person who even, you know, causes some headache is... Here in the service, don't bother. God is also here. And everything can be buried under the blood. (laughs) Can I get an amen to that? Yeah, everything can be buried under the blood. And we can always have a new beginning every time we gather. Praise God. How was your week? I can't hear you. How was your week? All right. I declare in the name of Jesus that a new week is coming with new blessings. Uh, God's hand will rest upon you. There shall be divine direction this week. You are at the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right thing and you will get mega results in the precious name of Jesus. Everyone who has a test, who has an interview, this week God will go with you. Everyone who is bidding for a contract this week, you're going out marketing, God is going with you. He will take obstacles away from your path and you will return with a testimony in Jesus' precious name. Exodus chapter 3, I continue in our discussion on the burning bush from Exodus chapter 3. And I'm, I'm going to try to round off today. And uh, uh, the finale will be on, on Wednesday as we conclude on hearing from God. But for this service this morning, um, let's re-examine one more time the power of God that is released at the burning bush. We'll be discussing the burning bush experience and last Sunday, I, you know, explained how uh, the burning bush is, is a place of calling. The burning bush is, is a place where uh, purpose gives birth to passion. Where purpose gives birth to passion. And I m- mention of the fact that God has never created a passionless human being. There's no passionless person created by God. All of us uh, were created, wired by God with certain gifts certain passions or uh, certain things that you know uh, that will touch our heart and bring us alive and a life becomes interesting when i follow my passion life becomes interesting when i follow my passion life becomes much more interesting when i recognize my calling and i decide without you know any any serious push Because I was saying last Sunday that some burning bush experiences uh, can be, uh, you know, uh, very fatal, can be, you know, uh, I don't want to use the wrong words, but they don't leave people the same. Especially when we're a bit recalcitrant in our approach and our attitude to God. And we give the example of, you know, Saul, who later became Paul the Apostle uh, in in the book of Acts on his way to to the the, the road to, to Damascus when God you know, knocked him down, and he, he he didn't have a choice but to acknowledge that it must be a God. He said, "Who who are you, Lord? Who knocked me down like this and took my sight away?" And it's only at that point that some people recognize that God wants them to turn. God wants them to, uh, you know, literally like uh, the word Jesus used very frequently in the Bible: repent. To repent means to turn around one eighty degrees. All right, you go in this direction before He wants you to go this direction. The opposite. And do his will. And we said the, the burning bush experience can be as simple as Moses' experience with God. When God just appeared to him and spoke to him. And Moses took instruction from that point And started to move on. And it can be as radical and, you know, as, as, as damaging as Saul's ex- experience. It can also be as, as horrible as Jonah's experience. Three days and three nights. In the belly of the whale. Horrible experience. It came out from the belly of the whale. And he didn't have a choice. Because he knew if he turned around again. <laughs> something more terrible. Can happen to him. And we said it can be as simple as you just. Uh, uh, going somewhere and God showing you something. Changing location and realizing. Uh, that it has to do with your calling. Or you know. Maybe you, you, you had a bad experience and something triggered on your inside or you were mistreated somewhere and then it led to something you 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 see something new and you start to do something differently and this this has been the summary of our discussion around the burning bush experience but one thing i don't want you to forget is that god has wired you up with passion for some things Don't let your burning bush experience be that which will be traumatic. Let it be easy. Let God be able to touch your heart and direct you. Especially as we start a new year like this. Any time that we spend out of the perfect will of God, according to heaven, the heaven is wasted. Wasted. But when we focus on what God has in mind for us, we walk with him. We gain speed in life. And much more than that, there's fulfillment, and heaven celebrates our effort. It doesn't have to be perfect; it just has to be according to the dictates of heaven. Say amen, somebody. I say better amen, somebody. And this morning, I want to look at after the burning bush. You know what comes next after the burning bush? What do you do with the experience? What do you do uh, um, with with the, the the vision that is given? We have discussed purpose. We have discussed passion. But I want to round off this morning by looking at, you know, looking a bit into the the power of vision because the burning bush is a place where vision is battered. The burning bush is a place where a picture is repainted. The burning bush is a place where vision is clarified, where I get a better idea of what God wants me to do. The burning bush is a place where God wants to clarify. His vision for your life. I read from verse 7 of Exodus chapter, chapter 3. God trying to clarify the vision for Moses. And don't forget all that we have said about Moses. The fact that according to Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 3, God was talking to the prophet Jeremiah. He said, before I formed your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you a prophet to the nation. The same thing before Moses had a form. Before he he, he was wired, God started to wire him as a deliverer for Israel. Israel was in captivity in Egypt and they prayed. And it was a long-term captivity. It was before Moses was born. And yet Moses spent 40 years in the palace of Pharaoh. Before he even attempted at showing That the power of God should be more than the the, the Egyptian's power. Or rescuing even one. Israelite. 40 years. And then we said that was misguided passion. Because he had no instruction. Something hooked him on the inside. And he wanted to give expression. That's what happens sometimes. When you want to start a business. Just because somebody is doing good at that business. Or something hooked you on your inside. And you feel like I need to do something. And then you jump out. Without an instruction. Without praying. Without asking God. Is it for me or just for my neighbor, Kemi? Or should I go on because, you know, you know, the, the Nigerians are, are, are fond of pure water is selling. Let's set up a plant. People now drink colored, you know, water, or whatever they call it, flavored water. Let's set up something. That, that's how, you know, And as Christians, we're not supposed to live like that. It's supposed to be something like, I have passion to quench people's thirst. And I prayed about it. I've clarified it. I have peace in my heart about it. Peter has been, Pastor T has been, you know, teaching on Wednesdays on hearing from God. And last Wednesday we really hammered on how to master the peace of God in your heart, and the different ways by which God speaks. How, you know, in different ways God can show you visions. And I think your teaching is working because I saw a vision overnight. <laughs> Praise God! It's not for today, so I'm not going to share it today. Praise God. (laughs) So, uh, 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 you know, all all that. And if you have missed those services, get the message and listen to them. You cannot afford to to live your your life by chance. We don't have much time to just continue to practice. You don't want to be like Moses. God deliberately kept Moses in the house of Pharaoh for 40 years to be... Because he was going to have to, you know, confront this establishment. So you need to know this establishment in and out. And without his thinking, without his involvement, God arranged it that he was going to have favor with Pharaoh's house, with, you know, with the regime. They loved him. Pharaoh's daughter was influential. She brought him in and was accepted as a family member. Wherever... You need to get to to fulfill destiny. God can orchestrate it. Stop struggling. You don't have to dance around an influential man for God to open the door for you. All you need is pray. When you pray and settle it in the spirit, God moves ahead of you. In fact, sometimes without your prayer, God still moves. Because Moses never prayed, but some people were praying. The Jews because they were in captivity. And the only one person that God has ordained that will have the infantry to confront Pharaoh on their behalf had to be sent or manufactured fresh, if you permit the use of the word. And he was sent down and 40 years he was there. Then because of misguided passion that I spoke about two Sundays ago, another 40 years he had to be in captivity. I mean, he had to be a, a fugitive. Median and then 80 years, you know, people have been praying years and years, and then the answer came and it took 80 years. Well, glory be to God! I said, Glory be to God! God still did his will. Now, the burning Bush experience, I, I think I will need a handheld mic. This, uh, I, I don't know what's happening. Sorry. Praise God. All right, the the, the burning bush experience for Moses ended up with a clarification of his assignment. God gave a vision, He clarified His vision for him. That was what happened from uh, verse 7 of uh, Exodus chapter 3. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrow. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them up from that land to a good and large land. To a land flowing with milk and honey. To the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Hamorite and the Parasite and the Ephite and the Jebusite. Verse 9. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. They were having this conversation on Horeb, And he said, this will be the sign for you. When you have brought them out on this mountain, something will happen here. Then you will know that I'm surely with you, and I sent you. And um, uh, in verse 13, then, Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel, I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they said to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. King James says, I am that I am. I am who I am. And he said, Thus, you shall say to the children of Israel, I am, I sent you. You know, you know one thing that somebody needs to recognize this morning? When we emphasize uh, the need for you to take delivery of an assignment from God and be fully persuaded that God wants me on this mission, is because whatever will face you on that mission, you can boldly say, I am, sent me. You understand? I am, sent me. There's nothing, you see, when you, when you, when you picture Pharaoh, and his regime, and everything. There's nothing you're going through today that can be, uh, you know, really worse than that. Let me explain. When Moses went to Pharaoh and told Pharaoh, God sent me, the God of the Hebrews sent me to you. Pharaoh told Moses, there's no God apart from Pharaoh. Moses assumed the position of God in his, I mean, Pharaoh assumed the position of God in his days. And what happens today is that when the devil takes you through hell and high water, what the devil is trying to say is that choose, I am the God. I determine everything. That's what he wants to look like. I am in power. I rule and reign. When you go through a very hard time, you're tempted to believe that maybe God is really not in control, especially if it's a tragedy. The devil that's in control. It's still the same thing that the devil tries to do today. Pharaoh said, I am God. And God said, Moses, don't worry. The 22 of us will sort this guy out. Yeah, I told him earlier, anyway, I'm going to deal with him. Don't worry, the guy will be recalcitrant, but I will still deal with him. You cannot face the issues of life, especially as regards your assignment, what you do, your business, your career, without That knowing on your inside that I'm here because God placed me here. You can be in an office and somebody's a terror in that office. If God placed you there, then you can boldly say, I am sent me here. In your prayers, it's easy to confront the devil and the ruling spirit over that tyrant. And say, I am sent me here. And because I'm here by divine instruction, then nothing can take me out except when my time is up. See, when they say they want to sack people in a particular office and everybody is crying, those are the people who are not sure whether they're supposed to be there or not. Because until God says it's over, it's not over. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Say a better amen, somebody. Amen. So it's important for us to realize the place of vision granted by God. The place of being able to say I am on this assignment because God placed me here. The place of being able to say, I am starting this business or I run this business because it's what God wants me to do. The place where you pray and ask God to deliver something into your hand and He delivers it into your hand. And He says, do this and do that and I will be with you. That's what happens when we embrace our burning bush experiences. Praise God. So at the burning bush is a place of vision. And vision simply uh, 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 defined is redemptive revelation. I call it revelation. A mental picture of a preferable future. You read in the back of chapter 2 from verse 1 to 3. The prophet said, I will stand upon uh, the rampart. I will see what uh, will show unto me and what I will answer when I am reproved. Verse 2 says, and he said unto me, write the vision, make it plain upon the table that he may run that reads it. The place of the burning bush experience for Baruch was where God was talking to him about this vision. Write it, make it plain on the table, run with it. Say that he may run that reads it. Vision is something to run with, not to sleep with. As you are reading, you are running. As you are getting understanding, you are running. So vision simply is redemptive revelation. Uh, what, the revelation of who I am or what I've been redeemed to do or accomplish. What God wired me for. It's a mental picture of a preferable future, especially in the line with the will of God for your life. Uh, A a, a researcher in the U.S. by the name George Barnard, the guy who wrote uh, The Power of Vision, uh, said vision is uh, foresight, based on insight with the benefit of hindsight. What does that mean? It means that a vision is seen further, based on insight. It's actually from insight that it comes from. With the benefit of hindsight, because you've gone through many things, have you gained experience? You 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 can fall back on your hindsight and corroborate what God is saying. Moses, for instance, knew he had passion for those people, so the passion was not in doubt. When the passion was misguided, he landed into trouble. When God came and said, I'm sending you back to Pharaoh, he had the benefit of hindsight. He had been in Pharaoh's palace, he knew the intricacies of Egypt. You understand what I'm saying? That's the benefit of inside. But God gave him a foresight. And he also already always knew. You see, there are some things you have always known from inside. Sometimes, when you look at the, 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 the size of the challenges out there, it, it becomes difficult for you to want to bring them out. But whatever God has placed on your inside, whatever vision God has planted on your inside, in this new year, they will find fulfillment. I said they will find fulfillment Amen. in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So it's important for us to realize that eyes that look are common, but eyes that see are very few. There's a difference between looking and seeing. We all have two eyes. We can see. But it takes insight. It takes insight to see. We can, many people can look. We can look at the same things, but we we'll see different things. Am I saying the truth? We can look at the same thing, but be seeing different things. Because our perspective is different. One is guided by vision, by passion, by what God is saying. The other one is just seeing it as an object. As an object. That's why some, 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 someone may see a child crying. One will be able to walk away. The other one will be fixated. Why? Because there's something on or inside that says you must render help here. While the other person says it's just one of those things. I hope you understand what I'm saying. And that's how we begin to know Where our passion lies. That's where purpose start, You know, giving back to passion. And before you know it, then you seek God a little more. Moses saw the burning bush. The Bible says he turned around. And he said, I will now go closer and see better. There are many things that we see, but we don't go closer to see better. And the moment he turned and God saw that he had gotten his attention, then he started to speak to him. The bush had been burning. He looked. God didn't speak. But when he moved closer to see what was happening there, God started to speak to him. We need to get beyond just looking at what is happening. To getting closer. To hear what God is saying. So that life can take a new uh, uh, meaning. And we can gain fulfillment. If you're going to be a leader in any area of life, in any area of business or career, You must understand that leaders see, uh, leader a leader sees more than others see, see farther than others see, and see before others do. That's that's one great thing about leaders. Leaders see farther. They see first. They see before others, and they move with what they are saying or what they are seeing. The truth is that our world owes you know the accolades for all its development to visionary leaders and realistic dreamers. And don't forget, being realistic is relative. This world will have seen no development at all, if not for the fact that people see things, follow through with them, pray through with them, and move with them. In, In fact, when it comes to moving, when it comes to action, when it comes to following your passion, the new generation Christians are too docile for God. You see many more people who don't know God, following their their passion, just based on motivational teachings. And Christians will be telling stories. And then they finish hearing everything before you move. But when you realize that the purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer is actually to impact the capacity to receive dreams and visions and to see things differently, you chapter 2, when you read from uh, verse uh, 16, thereabouts, it says, uh, On the, the last days I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. Your, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see vision. Your old men shall dream dreams. It's, it's important that, that we recognize what God is putting in our heart by the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, therefore, is to empower us to receive the capacity to dream. The Holy Spirit is not just for believers to pray or speak in tongues. When we pray and we speak in tongues, we are activating that capacity. That capacity for vision. The capacity to see things the way God wants us to see them. That's, that's one of the most critical things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in the life of, of a, a believer says when the, the, the Holy Spirit shall come, He shall show you the things to come. That's what the scripture says. He will show you the things to come. The things to come. If there's someone here this morning, you have not been praying and deliberately asking the Holy Spirit to show you things to come, you need to start to do that. That's why God poured out his spirit. That's why he, he, he fills us with his spirit. Because the Holy Spirit wants to do his work in our lives. He wants to fulfill his ministry in our lives. Part of his ministry is to grant us revelation. It's to show us things to come. So if you need vision, ask God to fill you with the Spirit afresh. The truth is that you cannot fulfill purpose without vision. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus was talking about uh, he said if the blind leads the blind in verse 14, he said both of them will end up in the ditch. You cannot Fulfill purpose without vision, you cannot be a leader without vision. Moses became the leader when he got to Egypt. Why? Because he came back with a vision. So the Burning Bush experience should leave you with an awareness of your calling, and you should arise with a vision for your future. That's that's what the Burning Bush experience is all about. It's all about. Uh, before I round up this morning, I, I want to give someone some. Ideas, some things with which you can weigh the things God is telling you, or the ideas that are flowing through your mind. The, the what what you can uh, uh, this this mental picture. You know, Second Corinthians chapter three, verse eighteen. We say we all with uh, with unveiled faces, beholding and seeing glass, the glory of God were changed, were transformed. That's a cardinal scripture for this year. It's a year of radical transformation. We all, with unveiled faces, beholding us in the glass. The glory of God will change from one level of glory to another as by the spirit of God. What we are beholding is the glory of God. And in some ways, you can say what we are beholding is his vision for us. What you see is what you become. The Bible says we are changed, we are transformed from one level of glory to another. Now, the big question I want to ask this morning is, what does glory mean to you? What does it mean to you? Because what glory, the glory of God means to me, is different from what should mean to you. It depends on your assignment. For Moses, the glory of God is the triumph over Pharaoh. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, for Jonah, the glory of God is to go to Nineveh and declare a war against that city. For Saul, the glory of God is to stop persecuting the church and become an apostle. That's what God was saying. When God saw Paul, he wasn't seeing the murderer. Even though he killed and maimed many of Jesus' disciples, he supervised the killing of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. But when God sees Saul, who later became Paul the Apostle, who wrote uh, 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 one-third of the New Testament, he, he, he was seen an apostle. That's the glory of God. And as he sees that, he became transformed into the same image. So he was able to say boldly that I was sent as an apostle to the Gentiles because that was what he was seeing. He was seeing the glory of God. What does glory mean to you? What does it mean to you as a person? What's the glory of God that you should see? What are you supposed to be transformed into? Because if it says that a radical transformation it's important for you to know what am I supposed to be transformed into? Whatever you need, it starts from within. I hope somebody's following me today. It starts from within. If the greatest need in your life right now is money, it doesn't cost God anything to send you money. But you must become the kind of person who can attract that amount of money. The way life works, we don't attract <laughs> what we want. We attract who we are. All right. Remember that very old saying, to be a millionaire, you have to think like a millionaire. (laughs) Because when you start thinking like one, then you have become one. And it's just a matter of time, the millions will find their way into your account. So we all, with unveiled unveiled faces, beholding us in the glass, the glory of God, we are changed. Somebody this year needs to be changed inside, out, to a CEO. Then it becomes natural for you to attain to that position. Because it's first within and then without. Are you still with me today? I said, are you still with me today? So we need to know what glory means to us. Because that's what the picture that God wants to implant implant on our heart. Uh, Let let me bring the picture to you uh, very simply. Imagine Moses after the burning bush experience. Going back to the place where he had been declared wanted 40 years ago. And as he was walking down there, is it out are two things. They catch me and they, they, they kill me because it's an eye for. It was supposed to be an eye for an eye. You know, they just slaughter him or something. Whatever I did to the guy. And he was walking down there. The only thing that could have kept him going until he got to the palace of Pharaoh and opened his big mouth to say that the God of the Hebrews, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the I am that I am sent me to you was because he could see that picture in his heart consistently as he was going. That God would perform his counsel. If you haven't read it before, go and read it. When Moses got to Egypt, the guys he was supposed to deliver, they didn't believe in him. But he had a picture on his heart. Why do people do business today and they, they quit, they, you know, give in and discourage and it's not working, it's this, you know. It's because there's no vivid Imagination, picture, implanted by God. In fact, printed. When God has created grooves on your mind, that's what the Bible says in Romans 12, verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God wants to create new grooves on your mind that the devil cannot do anything about. It's too strong for any situation to erase it. A mark that cannot be erased. That's what vision does in our hearts. When God has planted something there, how do I know that this is from God? Let me go through a few characteristics of vision. Vision from God. One is that it inspires. When you read Deuteronomy chapter 8, when you read you know, even Exodus, Exodus chapter 3 that we're reading, God was talking to Moses about what he was going to do in Egypt. And he said, look, you know what? You're going to take these guys out of captivity. Captivity is not good. Slavery is not good. They're taking them to a land that flows with milk and honey. Give some people just one minute to to debrief their their vision. Nothing inspires there. And that's why, you know, things will not move. A vision from God will inspire. There's something about it that will make life easier. A vision from God provokes a change. You read uh, 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 about Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17 to 18. Uh, the walls of, of Jericho and Jerusalem that have been brought down. Nehemiah received a vision from God to go and rebuild them. When he described them to the king, the king, with prayer and fasting, allowed him to go. He described them, uh, what he wanted to do to his own people. They supported him because the vision uh, was to bring a change. It, a vision from God will be inspiring. It will provoke a change. A vision from God also preserves. It preserves the life of the visionary. God told Moses, how will you know that I'm sending you? This is how you will know. You will go to Egypt and you'll come back to this Oreb and worship. That means you cannot die until you are back on Oreb. God preserves the life of a visionary based on the vision that he has given him. Any dream of vision that is from God will preserve your life. You know the reason why some people die before their time? And I'm not saying this, you know, sarcastically or anything. Those of us who are living, we're not better than anyone. But a lot of the time, for you to live the fullness of your years, you must have something that you're pursuing that is from God. God is bound to keep you alive if you're on track to do what he said you should do. The devil cannot take a man or a woman on an assignment. Except the person's assignment is complete, has been completed, but we are not aware. I hope you understand what I'm saying. When Jesus died at 33, he hung on the cross and he said, it is finished. But his mother will not understand that it is finished. What his mother will say is that, my son died young. I hope you understand what I'm saying. But he understood his assignment, and in collaboration with God, they both knew it is finished. Paul, in many places in his writing, to the churches, in epistles, he will say, now if I depart, I depart in peace and there's no problem. He said, I'm in a straight between two, whether to depart or to stay with you. Why? Because in real fact, my assignment is finished. Everything I'm doing now is after now, just adding some little, little things, just to encourage you. You know? So vision preserves when you look at Luke chapter 2, verse 25 to, to 30. You read about the story of a certain Simeon, a devout man. The Bible says, when they brought Jesus to the temple, he had been prophesying about Jesus. And he said, God told me you will not die until you have seen the Lord's Christ. When they brought him to the temple for dedication, he looked at the baby. And he said, now, Lord, let your servant depart in peace. for my eyes, have seen the salvation of Israel. And then the man went and um, it, 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 it could go on after that. Just pass on to glory. Vision preserves. And it preserves the life of the visionary. You want God to preserve your life? Make sure you have yeah, laying hold to something that they have told you to do and continue to do it. It's people-oriented. Jesus was uh, choosing his disciples in Matthew, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. He approached them, called them, guys, come. He said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Any vision that does not impact life is perhaps not from God. You see, it's good to be rich, but while you're getting rich, what will happen to the people? That's how you know a vision that's from God. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus had his own assignment. He was sent to redeem the lost. But what is the effect of the vision? People will get saved. What is the effect of the vision? The people who will follow him will become fishers of men. Vision, ladies and gentlemen, is people focus. Now this church, our vision is to make greatness common. Not in the life of the pastor alone, or the leaders alone, but in the life of everyone that will come into this place. Vision is first and foremost about people. About people, whether it's a product or service that you have in your hand, it's about people. It's about getting uh, things, uh, getting the place to become better. It's about getting lives to become better, because God has His own overall assignment that He wants to fulfill through us. Vision very often is original and person-specific. Paul was speaking in Galatians chapter one when he read from verse eleven. Was talking about uh, the fact that God singularly called him and gave him a ministry to the Gentiles, to redeem the Gentiles, is a specific assignment. Vision, ladies and gentlemen, it's original, should be original, should be person-specific. It's also long-term. When God speaks to uh, um, Abraham in Genesis 13, he told him, he said, this vision that I'm giving you, that your seed will fill the face of the earth, Uh, he said it's a forever vision. I'm going to work with you on this forever. The truth is that a good vision is something that should outlive the visionary. Something that will continue after you and continue to perpetuate itself. Vision also is what provokes provision. The word provision is actually two words, you know, pro-vision. Pro means for. You know, when you say pro-democracy, you know, activists, uh, people are for democracy. Pro, that which is meant for the vision. People pray for provision today without a vision. And you wonder how it's supposed to happen. There's no provision without a vision. Resources flow in the direction of a God-given vision. Whatever you see a God-given vision, there's no lack there. The one who gave it supplies the means for it to be fulfilled. I you to stay with me this morning. I said, I you stay with me this morning. Instead of praying for money, pray for vision. Instead of praying for money, pray for an assignment. Pray that God will plant something in your heart that will transform lives. Whether it's social, whether it's, you know, business, whether it's career, anything. Just pray that God will plant something in your heart that will touch lives. Something that is from Him. Even when it looks like You are getting, the money is not coming. It will come. You know what God did was very funny about Moses. When Moses was going to Egypt, God told him, read it very well in Exodus chapter 3, towards the end. God said, one of the things I'm going to do in Egypt is I'm going to give you favor in the hearts of the Egyptians. Tell all of them. He said, all of them, they will ask from their immediate neighbors, articles of silver, gold, and whatever. And he said, I will grant you favor in their sight. They will give you everything so happened at the Passover that the Bible says they plundered the Egyptians. You know what they did? All the hundreds of years they have served the Egyptians, they collected their wages one night. Just one night. So I'm fully persuaded. It says, Anyone under the influence of this service tonight, I mean this morning, and you are hold money by the grace that is upon this service this morning. Whatever has been hold you shall be paid supernaturally. One night, just one night, labor of many years, one night, they were paid. Because of where they were going. And God organized that, what they needed for this vision, Egypt will provide it. And then they will go with it. Are you still with me today? I want to encourage someone this morning as I round off that you need to seek for the God of vision to plant something in your heart and whatever God has planted in your heart already look unto him to sustain it. When it comes to provision, God is a master. He knows what is meant for the vision to be established and he can provide it. He can provide it. He can provide it. He can provide it. it. Lastly, vision brings discipline to the life of the visionary. And it brings focus, discipline and focus to the life of the visionary. You have a vision from God in your heart. You must allow that vision to discipline you. To constrain you from doing what you're not supposed to do. The Bible says where there's no vision. Proverbs 29 verse 18, the people perish. When you read some other translations, where there's no vision, it says the people cast off restraints. New King James Version. The new living translation of that scripture. It says, When, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. They run wild. Wild lifestyle. Lack of respect for the rule of law, you know, and everything that we see here today as a result of lack of vision. Vision cuts your excesses. I hope you understand what I'm saying. You can't want to lose (laughs) 10 kg and be eating anyhow. The vision curtails your appetite. So even when you feel like eating, you cut it down. Am I saying the truth? It's the same thing. Vision curtails your excesses. It brings discipline into your life. Where there's no vision, the people cast off restraints. They behave anyhow. Where there's vision, there's fulfillment, there's discipline, there is focus. In 2014, make sure you focus your energy. Make sure vision constrains you. There's a place you can go, there are places you cannot go because of vision. There are certain things you can do there are some things you cannot do. Paul said all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Expedient means needful. Because of the vision, not because of any other thing. So all these plenty arguments about whether this is right or that is wrong, just judge it by the vision that God has given you. The reason why some people cannot hold political offices today was because it came to them as a delusion. They never had a vision to become a president or governor. Perhaps if they had heard it before, they would have constrained themselves all this while. Because you can't have all these criminal records and still want to lead us as a governor. Constrain yourself based on the vision now. If there's anyone under the influence of my voice, God has told you you're going to be a governor or a president in this nation or a politician, let the vision constrain you now. Let it constrain you from sleeping with another man's wife. Let it constrain you from taking money that is not your own so that when they put your name forward, they won't dig into the record and throw you out. The reason why some people will never fulfill the vision of God for their lives is because they have lived their life too long, unconstrained, unrestrained. And it gets to a point where even God cannot do anything about it because a person can lose a chance To be used of God to fulfill God's vision. And that will not be your testimony. That will not be your portion. I said, that will not be your portion. Lift your right hand with me this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to share.